Listener Production. So Turkey has become the fastest growing destination for cosmetic procedures and medical tourism with companies saying a growing number of their clients are coming from Australia. So much so that there's now hashtags getting around the internet, turkey teeth and turkey hair. It was so funny because in the airport, everyone's got their hair bandages, so they've done their hair transplant. So people have their bandages on their nose, back to procedure and back on the plane and bang. Yeah, so that's Michael. He's an Aussie who travelled to Turkey for a hair transplant. Um, He had a positive experience, but not everyone does. A number of uh, British people have died or been seriously injured going under the knife in Turkey, and the trend is concerning doctors. All cosmetic surgery is real surgery, and it can have risks. And I think the problem with being on the other side of the world is that if you have something that doesn't quite go well, or even if you have some questions and uh, sort of quality issues down the track, it's really difficult to get back. Mmm, turkey hair and turkey teeth. That is our briefing with Jan Fran. First, Katrina's here for today's headlines. It is Monday, the 31st of July. Hey, Tom. Hey, everyone. Well, the Matildas will face Canada tonight and this will decide their future in the World Cup. Captain Sam Kerr says she is available, but the Matildas coach can't guarantee she's going to return from a calf injury for tonight's game. It apparently is going to make the call right before the game. Talk about tension. The medical team is going to tell me what minute she's available and what the risks are included with that. And like Sam said herself, we're not going to say anything until game day, whether we use her as a starter. The Matildas must beat the Olympic champions to make the round of 16. Uh, I don't think I need to remind anyone. We lost to Nigeria 3-2 last Thursday. Wow, the drama really is... Intense here. New Zealand, our co-host nation, got bounced out of the competition over the weekend, so that was pretty sad for them. And everyone's hoping it won't be the same story for us tonight. And, yeah, all eyes on whether Sam Kerr will tank the field or not. I imagine if she's saying she's fit, she will tank the field. They're just holding out on us. Yeah, I mean, they had a closed training session over the weekend because they didn't want to give anything away to the competitors. So they're going to keep this tension going right up until the final moment, I believe. I mean, they say that the Matildas isn't just about Sam Kerr, but my gosh, it, it would be so fantastic to see her play tonight. And defence crews have broadened the search area as they look for four men who went missing in that chopper crash on Friday off Queensland's Hamilton Island. And they've also now released the names. The first and most pressing is to bring Daniel, Alexander, Joseph and Maxwell home to their families. That's Lieutenant General Simon Stewart, the head of the army there. He went on to say the second most pressing thing was supporting their families and their mates, and the third is finding out what went wrong with that helicopter. So far, more than 50 pieces of debris have been pulled from the water, but there's still a lot of it missing. Recovery crews are working against huge tides and strong currents in that part of the ocean. And the helicopter crash occurred during Talisman Sabre, which was a massive training exercise involving 30,000 troops from a dozen different countries. Um, and ADF members and families can contact Open Arms for support on 1800 011 046. 
Yeah, I guess uh, we still don't know yet what the cause of the crash was, but there's talk that if it is found to be mechanical failure that caused this latest crash, uh, that fleet of Taipan helicopters, which has experienced some trouble over the years, could in fact be grounded permanently. Uh, the Taipans have been grounded five times since 2019. Earlier this year, you guys might remember, it was that same kind of helicopter which had to ditch into water in Jervis Bay in New South Wales because of mechanical failure while doing a training exercise then. Um, fortunately, everyone on board survived. This type of helicopter was going to be phased out in December of next year anyway and replaced with Blackhawks, but, you know, that might now be brought forward. Oh, that's so sad to hear that. I mean, imagine being one of the family members and knowing that they had picked up issues with the helicopters in the past and one of your loved ones was on board. I guess, you know, that all depends what actually occurred here and hopefully we do find that out so that we can make sure um, all future voyages are as safe as possible. And this year's Gold Logie winner has been announced. Sonia Kruger! (laughs) So this was all last night at the Glamorous Logies, um, which were held in Sydney for the first time in a long time. Um, Sonia Kruger, the co-host of Dancing with the Stars, um, got the top gong. She beat Hamish Blake, Osher Gunsberg, Lee Sales and Sean McAuliffe. The other interesting news from the night was that Colin from Accounts, the comedy series, did really well. It was created by husband and wife team Patrick Bramwell and Harriet Dyer. Um, Those two both won Most Outstanding Actor. Uh, and the series won Most Outstanding Comedy. So good. I mean, there's been talk for years about, you know, yeah, is the Logies a relic of the past? Is it super cringe? Do we really need the Logies? And I guess, you know, especially during the pandemic, um, it, it and it was held on the Gold Coast for many years as well, so we didn't get that same red carpet flavour that we had last night. I reckon the Logies is back, not just because a lot of people turned up and made a huge effort. The looks on the red carpet last night were phenomenal. But also, Sam Pang, who was the solo host, um, by all accounts, everyone's saying they loved him. And that's rare for a Loki's host (laughs) to get universal acclaim like that. Yeah, I went for a few years and um, Dave Hughes was an amazing host as well. But look, I agree with you. You know, Australians watch TV. Our celebrities kind of feel like they could live next door in Australia. It's kind of a small industry. (laughs) But whilst, whilst people still watch TV... Let's have an awards night. Why not? And have you changed your streaming habits lately? Over the last quarter, more than 1.25 million video on-demand accounts were cancelled in Australia. But here's the rub. There were 1.6 million new subscriptions added Mm. during that same period. So overall, it went up. Netflix sad tears for Netflix. They recorded the largest net decline. But everyone's apparently going over to Paramount Plus, KO and Binge. They saw double digit growth in their subscriber bases. Um, I was having a look at what the best TV shows are over at Paramount Plus. Everyone's talking about this show called Yellow Jackets. Maybe that's why they've experienced a big rise in subscribers. I don't have a subscription to that one yet, but I might have to have a look Mm. if that's what everyone's doing in Australia right now. Yeah, well, the Netflix numbers might be a result of um, them having that password shake up. So they might have um, lost some accounts there, although you you might think they might have gained if people sort Mm. of had to be bumped off the family account and 
get their own. But it is interesting what's going on in this space because there's been a real shake-up. The last few years there's been an explosion of streaming services all competing for our attention. Sometimes I forget which ones I've signed up to and which ones I haven't. (laughs) I don't think you're alone there. I think, you know, in this cost of living crisis, perhaps the number one thing we could all do, especially after the pandemic, where we just signed up willy-nilly, is take a look at what streaming services we might have that we're not using. Yep, that is a very good tip. All right, in just a moment, Jan Franz here. She's talking turkey teeth and turkey hair. We are talking Turkey. The country, that is, and the growing number of Australians heading there for cosmetic surgeries. So I first heard about this story when a member of my extended family went to Istanbul earlier this year to get veneers. And I thought to myself, is that a thing? Do people go to Turkey to get their teeth done? And it turns out that, yes, as anyone who has come across the hashtag Turkey Teeth will know. And it's not just teeth. Aussies are heading over for nose jobs, liposuction, butt lifts, you name it. Michael Basher travelled to Turkey in March of last year for a particular procedure. He's with us now. Michael, welcome to the show. Tell us what you got done in Turkey. Uh, it was my hair transplant. I really, it was during COVID and I lost my hair like like drastically for some reason during that COVID period. So I wasn't able to travel. Then when I had the opportunity to travel, my uncle kind of um, mentioned, he came from Lebanon and was there for a holiday. He mentioned this guy called Amir. He was on WhatsApp and he was thinking of doing his hair transplant whilst he was in Lebanon. So I took his details down and I started WhatsApping uh, Amir about my hair transplant procedure. How did you end up in Turkey? Well, it was through just a WhatsApp chat first and then taking photos of my hair, my head, and sending it through to Amir, who played kind of, then he showed the doctors over there and he'd come back with a price. And then he said, okay, we're ready for you. So then I had to sort of just book my ticket and go straight over there. This turkey teeth, turkey hair, turkey procedures sort of trending on TikTok, right? But you clearly didn't hear about it that way. You've heard about it from a random person in a completely different country that you ended up in Turkey getting your hair transplant. You know, it was so easy, so surreal. So all I did was basically got to Turkey. They picked me up from the airport. So there's a chauffeur. Who's they? Uh, the beauty clinic. These are the people that act as a uh, maybe sales, mm-hmm. right? So they take you straight from the airport. Sheraton on the park, mind you, five-star hotel. So they drop you off there. The next morning, a chauffeur picks you up, takes you straight to the hospital where the procedure is taking place. Then the doctor comes out and has a quick look at look at my hair. Then there's, she puts a line through the, the front where I was receiving, uh, and then I was under the procedure. So it, it, it took about seven hours. What is actually involved with a hair transplant? What happens? What do the doctors do? So they take your hair from the back. Each follicle. So I've got 4,600 hair follicles that have been implanted from the back to the top of my head. Right. And they have to implant them individually. Yes. <laughs> I remember putting my head down and it was like, oh my goodness, what's, what's happening? They're building something up there. Okay. So, so that's, yeah, it's my own hair follicles into the top. So that took like about seven hours. And now a lot of people, probably listeners will say, did it hurt? Now, at first... I need to say this. It doesn't hurt like a, a tattoo. I've got a tattoo on the side of my body, which which hurt a lot more. Okay. And that was painful. 
right? <laughs> but the hair, the, the first, say, five minutes, it is kind of like this awkward feeling. So they're putting the uh, anesthetic through, the, through your head and after five minutes you don't feel anything. Did you have any reservations about going overseas to a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you don't know the healthcare system to get a procedure done? My confidence levels after losing my hair, I couldn't care less. I just wanted to go there and get my hair transplant, you know? And how much did the procedure from go to woe cost you, including okay. all of the organisation and the transporting and the Sheraton and yeah, the yeah, procedure yeah. and all of that? Okay, including Sheraton on the park, which is a five-star, including breakfast, by the way, and the hair procedure, 2000 American dollars. So that worked out during COVID. It was about $2,300. That was the American dollar to the Australian dollars. So that was a lot cheaper than having it here in Australia, right? And the procedure they do is the, the, the each follicle mm. from that back. There's only probably one or two doctors in Australia that do that sort of stuff. Did you look into it here in yeah, Australia and what co- did you find? It cost about like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000, you know what I mean? So do I pay that or do I pay two grand, 2300 and go to Turkey and, and get chauffeured around in a five-star hotel? And I, I'm, I don't have much money. I don't have that much money to be sitting down for 12000 yeah, that was not a brainer, really. Mm. And I haven't even been to Turkey. And let me tell you, I ended up having a holiday there. Mm. You Did know. you see any other Australians over there oh, getting similar <laughs> things? To, okay, it sounds like you a yes what? to me. Oh my god, it was so funny because in the airport, everyone's got the hair, the hair bandages, so they've done the hair transplant. So people have their bandages on their nose. Right. They come from all over Europe, right? They just back to procedure and back on the plane and bang. And then you see them like fresh from the procedure onto the plane back home. Right. Like that's how big this thing is, you know, in Turkey. Am I happy? I'm not 100% happy with the outcome, if I was honest. I'm 80% happy. So it it kind of worked to an extent. The experience was just mind-blowing because... Turkey's beautiful as well, so I get, I get a chance to see the country. That was Michael Basher there with a relatively positive review of getting a hair transplant in Turkey. Medical professionals, though, eh, they're not so glowing. Associate Professor Nicola Dean is president of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons. Dr Dean, welcome to the briefing. We've just heard from Michael. Uh, he has had a, well, he's had a very good experience getting a hair transplant in Turkey, according to him. What is wrong with somebody wanting a certain procedure and going to Turkey to get it done? Look, there's a couple of things that really are important to look for. All cosmetic surgery is real surgery and it can have risks. And I think the problem with being on the other side of the world is that if you have something that doesn't quite go well or even if you have some questions and uh, sort of quality issues down the track, it's really difficult to get back. So I think that's the number one thing. The other thing is that being somewhere where you don't know the healthcare system and you don't know what the qualifications really mean of the people that you're dealing with, then that can be a real issue. A lot of people cite costs as one of the prohibitive uh, things to them getting whatever cosmetic surgery or procedure they want to get here in Australia. Do you think it should be cheaper or more accessible here? Would that be a way of uh, curbing people from going overseas? To some extent, I think you get what you pay for. It is really worrying if you're given 
big discounts for surgical procedures in a different country because you've got to ask why and you have to worry about the quality of the surgery that you're getting. The other thing is that if things don't go well, you'll find that actually it's enormously expensive to have repeat cosmetic surgery to correct things later down the track if things haven't gone to plan. Mm. What do you say to people who are seeing the hashtag turkey teeth and turkey hair trending on TikTok? You know, these videos have racked up tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of views. Do you have any sort of um, a hot tip advice for them? Yeah, look, I think the main thing is look for the qualifications. Think about how you would go if things didn't go right and you were in Turkey without your family, without support. And you have to realise that it's common that people don't put the negative stuff on social media. It is not necessarily an unbiased stream of videos and photos that you're seeing. I think what is helpful is the new advertising restrictions and regulations by the medical board, by APRA. Now there should be more scrutiny of to what's advertised in different countries. That was Professor Nicola Dean, the president of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons there. And she did mention that there were tighter restrictions in place around advertising uh, cosmetic procedures in Australia. And that is true. Those restrictions came in from the 1st of July. But they don't apply to other countries. So you can very easily see shoddy advertising from countries such as Turkey and the rest. And there's not really anything that Australian law can do about that. Just bear that in mind. Listener.